page 400 if you're looking in the Pew Bible. Nehemiah 4, verses 1 through 6. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building... If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our Lord, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads, and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. The word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning. It is a blessing to be with you guys again this morning and to be in the word of God. So I'm excited to see what God does and how he speaks to us uh, through his word. Uh, let's go before our Lord one more time in prayer. Uh, Father God, uh, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name. God, I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease so that you would increase and be made much of. Father God, illumine your text, bring it to life, uh, open up our hearts and our minds, uh, make us fertile soil for the seed of your word this morning. And I pray that more of you would be heard uh, than more of me or more of any other voice. It's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine was about to deploy for a military tour in Afghanistan. And, and uh, ever so often when he, when he would deploy, we would have a conversation, and he actually asked me to pray for him uh, before he left. And so I just asked him a few questions before he left. I appreciate his service and what, and what he does for our country, but it's always kind of sad uh, to, to watch him go, if I can be honest. So I asked him a few questions. That's because uh, in my mind, I, I don't know that much about what was going on in the area where he was going. So I just wanted to know what was the area like. So I, I asked, uh, are, are there some people uh, there who don't want you to be there? And he said, he said yes. Uh, and I was like, okay, are they likely to still try to attack you? We're not in the middle of a big war or anything right now. Are they likely to still try to attack you? He said, yes. And as I began to ask the questions, he said, you, I said, you really don't want to go this time, do you? And he was like, no. Um, but that was his calling. Uh, that's, that's what he signed up for. And, and that's what soldiers do. Uh, child of God, as long as you and I are on this side of heaven, we, we, we have to deal with those same sets of questions, because as we step out into the world as children of God, uh, we, we exist in a spiritual war of some sorts, a very real spiritual war, as a matter of fact. So are there going to be real spiritual enemies that don't want you to go inside uh, this world and advance the kingdom of God? Absolutely, yes. Are, 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 are there real spiritual enemies that will try to attack you? 
Absolutely, yes. Does anybody like being attacked uh, and being involved in this level of spiritual warfare? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, but if you're going to do anything of significance for the kingdom of God, whether big or small, we're going to have to deal with opposition from the enemy. That's just a reality. If you desire to raise your children up in the fear of the Lord to the parents in the room, uh, there's, a, there's a nature of true opposition there. Uh, if you're going to try to be a witness for Christ on your campus or in your school, if you're a student, there's going to be opposition uh, and resistance there. Uh, Paul tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3, through, through, uh, 3 and 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, that's the nature uh, of the call of being a child of God and a follower of Christ. Uh, one old pastor said it like this. He said, if you have not had a head-on collision with the devil lately, it might mean that you are headed in the same direction as him. It's just the nature of being a child of God. Well, as we, as we come to our text, we see Nehemiah uh, and the people in Jerusalem uh, wrestling with this collision with the enemies of the Lord, with God's enemies. Uh, we, we, uh, we see that Nehemiah was in, uh, he was in uh, Persia at the time when he got this call that the walls in Jerusalem had been burned with fire. So he was called and sent to go back to this area uh, to rebuild uh, this wall. It was a very essential project. It was necessary. It had to happen. Uh, a city without walls is like a, a, a house without a front door. So this was an essential project uh, by the Lord. Uh, he was called to do it. Uh, and no city in the ancient Near East was safe without this construction. Uh, one scholar puts it like this. He says, practically speaking, no wall means no city. No city means no temple. No temple means no presence of God. Uh, and no presence of God means no strength, no justice, civilization, and, and no need for walls. The temple and the walls are united in a society founded on God's covenant and steadfast love. And so uh, Nehemiah goes in to do this work, and he's facing opposition, and that shouldn't surprise him because why? He's doing God's work, and when you're doing God's work, and, and when you're in this spiritual battle, you will have to deal with a certain level of opposition. And so for our time, for the rest of this time, I want us to look at Nehemiah chapter 4, but I want you to look at it like game film, if you guys are familiar with sports. Every now and then, you'll watch a little game film to look at how the, the opposing team works so that you can understand their strategy. And I think as we look at Nehemiah chapter 4, we'll see some strategies that we might have had to dealt with in our, deal with in our own lives because these strategies get used over and over by the enemy, but we see them right here in Nehemiah's story. And the first strategy that we see the enemy using is doubt and discouragement. Doubt and discouragement. If you try to do uh, something for God or in the will of God, you likely will encounter some level of doubt and discouragement. And so uh, verse 4, 1 through 3, let's look at it again. Look at it again. It says, now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? 
Uh, will they restore it for themselves? Will they, will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of, of rubbish and the burned ones? At that, can you hear the mockery? What are you doing? Who do you think you are? How, how are you guys going to accomplish uh, this great feat? It says, Tobiah uh, the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone Wall. Just a little background on Sanballat. He was a he was a, a ruler in the region, and he wasn't too excited about them uh, rebuilding this wall because if they rebuild that rebuilt that wall and had a level of strength, then there were that, that he, he was intimidated by them potentially opposing him. So he did not want them to uh, rebuild uh, this this wall. And so, uh, and, and mind you, they said that the wall was feeble. The devil is a liar. The, the wall was nine feet thick. It was nine feet thick. So uh, this was actually a very sturdy uh, wall that they were building, but the enemy came uh, to oppose it, and, and, and he, he basically lied to them and mocked them about what they were doing. He wanted them to feel bad about uh, what they were doing, so he, so he mocked them. This is very familiar in how the enemy works. Uh, if we look back to Jesus' story, when he was on the cross, can you remember the mockery? Uh, the, the people who mocked him while he was on the cross said, oh, this is the king of the Jews? What kind of king can't even get himself off of the cross? If you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you, if you really are. The doubt and the discouragement. Even trying to get the son of God himself to doubt himself. So if the enemy will try to get the son of God, the creator of the universe, to doubt himself... He certainly will try to get you and I to doubt ourselves, and he'll try to play uh, identity games with us as well because he knows that we are sons and daughters of the king, but he wants you to forget that, and he wants to belittle uh, the things that we do. So one of the strategies that he uses as we watch this game film is doubt and discouragement. And so uh, this voice comes, friends, and when it comes, you have to be ready uh, to, to deal with it. This is why things such as scripture memory isn't just a fun exercise or practice to do just because. Uh, scripture men, uh, scripture men, uh, memory is very essential. We have to be able to call on the truth of God as the enemy hits us uh, with the lies. We have to be able to recall back what, what he says. This is why uh, having hymns and songs in your spirit is war. You're not just singing a song when you memorize that hymn. There are times when memorizing that hymn or memorizing that gospel song or that song with the truth of God's word in it, there are times when that is absolute uh, war for your soul. You have to be able to remind yourself of the truth of who God is. I, I recall uh, when I was a little boy, I would spend time with my grandmother, and my grandmother would always uh, sing hymns and gospel songs, and I, I didn't get it at the time. My grandmother, why are you... I called her Muddy. Her, her name was Muddy. Muddy, why are you always singing uh, a hymn? And, and, and why are you always singing gospel songs? But if, if, and I didn't, she never really gave me a, a complete answer. But now I get it, looking back. That was her way of nourishing her soul and reminding herself of who God was. And my encouragement to you all this morning, and to someone this morning in particular, I want to encourage you, do not lose your song. Uh, in the times of this, these trials and these challenges, I want to encourage you not to lose your song. Uh, the song reminds you that you are 
uh, a child of the king. It reminds you of your identity in the midst of a world that's often trying to tell you other things about yourself. So I want to encourage you, when the doubt and discouragement comes, because it certainly will come, uh, do not lose your song. So continuing in verse 6, uh, Nehemiah, it says, So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. And here, Nehemiah cried out to the Lord. He says, Hear, hear our God, for we are despised. Uh, turn back their taunt on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. He was angry, but he's crying out to God in his anger. And, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence uh, of, of the builders. Nehemiah called out to God because he knew that ultimately this battle was not his. It was God's. He was just playing a little role into it. And so in this moment when the enemy is trying to uh, cause him to doubt and is trying to discourage him, Nehemiah calls out to God. And so the enemy uses doubt and discouragement. And I know we've all been encountered that, but also the enemy uses fear and intimidation. Fear and intimidation. Uh, this is... Uh, this is seen in, in verse 8. It says, all, uh, and, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion within it. And so they begin to move past just doubt and discouragement at this point in verse 8. You see that they're actually threatening to come to Jerusalem and to pull together their enemies to attack Nehemiah and the people as they're rebuilding the wall. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is sometimes uh, the enemy will threaten you in, in real physical ways and, and try to intimidate you in real ways. You might have experienced this when you uh, look at some of the places in the world where people try to go and be missionaries in very difficult, hostile areas where uh, they, they won't just oppose you or doubt and discourage you, but there are places where if you try to go to share the gospel, you can very well lose your life, and that can be very uh, intimidating. Uh, here in America, that might not happen that way. You might not experience someone literally taking your life for what you believe, but you might uh, get outcasted. You might not get invited to the party. Uh, it might be a little intimidating to even tell someone that you are a follower of Christ because of what they might think about you. There's a level of fear and intimidation that the devil will use to try to bully you off the playground, if you will. Uh, so let's see what Nehemiah does as he's encountering this fear and intimidation. He looks to the people. He says, and I, and by the way, this is a good time to quit, right? They're actually threatening to kill us as we're building this wall. Maybe this isn't God's plan. What does Nehemiah say? He says, and I looked out and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. And what does he tell him to do? We've already talked about, talked about. He says, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Remember who he is. This is the same God that brought our, our, our ancestors out of, out of slavery in Egypt. This is the same God who parted the Red Sea. This is the same God. Remember the Lord. Uh, he says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Uh, the enemy will try to threaten you sometimes with, with, with something beyond words. Uh, Jesus tells us about this in Matthew 10, uh, uh, 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, he says, uh, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Friends, where is God calling you in your life uh, to, to hold on to his truth and his promises? Uh, where is he calling you on assignment to be his witness? Uh, it might be just in your home. But my encouragement to you is do not let Satan bully you out of your assignment. Uh, don't be afraid to be a witness for the king of kings, even when it's unpopular, or dare I say, even when it's unsafe at times. Because we can hold fast to the fact that we are safe in the hands of God. And he's called us to something. He's promised his protection and his provision. So. We've seen that the enemy uses doubt and discouragement. The enemy uses fear and intimidation, but also the enemy uses deception and distraction. And this is when he gets sneaky. He, if he can't straight up bully you out of the assignment that God has called you to, if he can't discourage you out of the assignment that God has called you to, sometimes he'll get tricky and try to deceive you and distract you. And we see this in Nehemiah chapter, chapter 6. I'm going to go to chapter 6, verse 1, if you want to meet me there. It says, Now when Sanballat and Tobiah... And Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. So there was progress at this point, and, and his enemies found out that there was actually progress. He says, Sam Ballad and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at, at Hakephirim in the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. We, we see here an attempt to deceive and distract. Uh, th there's an attempt to get Nehemiah off task. He had, he had gained some progress. He was doing well. And so at this point, they're essentially saying, hey, hey, why don't you take a break from that, from that work? Uh, come meet with us. Let's talk. Meet us here. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. And, and they were trying to get Nehemiah off of focus. And so what does Nehemiah do? Uh, verse 3, it says, And I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Good job, Nehemiah. Why, would, why should the work stop while I leave it here and come down to you? And they sent to me here now four times. They sent to him four times to, to stop him from doing the work. He says, and they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. Now, can you imagine this? Uh, they're sending a messenger to him every time while he's doing the work. Hey, Nehemiah, they want you to come and meet with them. I say, no. He's hammering. Nehemiah, they want you to come and meet with them. No. Nehemiah, they said, hey, they said, come meet with them. No. <laughs> Nehemiah, fourth time, they want you to come and meet with them. They really, no. And I want to encourage you uh, that if the devil can't make you bad, he will try to make you busy. God has called you to something, and I want to encourage you to stay focused on what he's, he's called you to do. Some of us might need to check our calendars to see if a little extras there that might be distracting us to what God has called us to. But the enemy wasn't done. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, he, gets, he tries to get tricky again. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahetabel, who was confined, confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night, Nehemiah. But I said, should such a man as I run away? 
And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understand and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced a prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambala had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in a way that, act in this way and sin. So they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. So the fear didn't work. Uh, the, the, the discouragement didn't work. So they tried to get Nehemiah to compromise. And every now and then the enemy is going to try to deceive you into compromising. That's just the nature of it. Uh, and so for some of us, compromising might be, hey, uh, nobody's watch, watching. You can fudge a couple numbers on your taxes. Uh, compromise maybe. I know that people need Jesus uh, but, I mean, do you really have to be the one to tell them about it? Does it have to be you? A little compromise. And little compromise after little compromise after little compromise after little compromise will have you a long way away from God's original plan uh, for your life. And as I, as I close, I just want to remind us uh, that you and I, yes, we are in a battle uh, but we are not left to our own defenses and our own strength. If we were trying to do this in our own strength, trying to be a witness for Christ in our own strength, we would have absolutely no hope because we can't do this in our strength. And so maybe if the enemy's saying, oh, yeah, you're weak, you can't do that, you know, what? you know what, you may be right, but I'm not on my own. I'm not left to my own defenses. As we look at the scriptures, we, saw, we see that Jesus went through the wilderness and was tempted just like we get tempted. Uh, he, he was tempted uh, by the enemy to turn the stones into bread, but he didn't compromise. Uh, he, he was tempted uh, to, to get off of the cross, but he didn't compromise. And because you and I compromise and we fail sometimes, we have to look to our Savior who never compromised. He, he, he never gave in to the doubt and discouragement because Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a sorrowful a place where doubt and discouragement must have been heavy on his soul when he knew that he was about to take the cross and experience the wrath of the Father. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ did not compromise. And because he did not compromise, we can find confidence in his perfect performance because we often fail and fall short. We have a king who, who defeated the enemy once and for all. And so though we try to learn to navigate this, this fallen world, we're going to fail. We're going to fall short. Sometimes we're going to give in to the doubt and discouragement. We, but we serve a king who has never given in to the doubt and discouragement. He's, he's never fallen for the fear and intimidation. And he's never compromised his integrity. And that is our great hope this morning, that in a fallen world where there is so much opposition, especially for the children of God, that we have hope in a great king. And I just want to encourage us to set our minds there uh, as we go through this week. You do not labor in your own strength. Uh, this victory that is already won is ultimately about our king. It's not about us. And if you are facing opposition, good news is not about you. It's about the, about the God that you love, know, and serve. And he is coming back. And we can have 100% confidence in that, in the king that never compromised.